Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9, reading from the New International Version. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Sintish to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul writes in the sixth verse of chapter four of Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. It seems to me that is very much a verse for our time because we live in an age of great anxiety. We all feel anxious at times. We live in an age and a time where we receive instant news updates from around the world. We see and hear the plights of those in agonizing hardships and circumstances around the world, particularly, I guess, in the last week or so. We live in a world where COVID has increased the general levels of anxiety in society, I think. Um, I'm one of the chaplains at South Dortmoor Community College in Ashburton. And uh, every week during term time on a Thursday morning, one of us is there and we speak to or listen to half a dozen young people. And since COVID, I think there's been an upturn in the number of young people who come to us with, just with background anxiety. So I think anxiety has been increased by the whole process of COVID, which of course is still with us. We face um, a coming months of winter when many people will be anxious about the unknown costs of heating and electricity and of food, and they will be worried and anxious about that. We live in a world where people at work increasingly find themselves under pressure, more responsibilities in the time that they have to do it, and that is causes anxiety. And of course, some people are prone to fits and times of anxiety in their lives. There are some people who we know are just born warriors. 
So I think that verse, do not be anxious about anything, is kind of a verse for our time and for our day. Perhaps we should note at this point that Paul was writing from a prison cell. He was imprisoned for his faith and for trying to express it and carry on the life of the Christian church. He is writing to the church facing its own stresses, stresses and its own challenges, reasons to be anxious. And yet he writes those verses. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, let's look at the context of those particular words in that chapter. What surrounds it? Maybe looking at those words will enable us not perhaps to eradicate anxiety altogether because there is a level of worry that will always be with us, I guess. But at least to try and mitigate anxiety, to reduce it, to let, not let it swamp us and overburden us. Well, Paul writes in those verses that we hear, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Part of the context of not being anxious is to continue to rejoice. Uh, all Methodist ministers now go through supervision and uh, we have supervisors and uh, once a year we have a day to reflect on the process and the experience of supervision and it so happened that ours was this last week at Wanford in Exeter and uh, one of my colleagues was saying that actually when she has her supervision sessions with her supervisor instead of sitting in somebody's study they'll go up and walk on the moor and she said that is amazing because whatever uh, issue that I bring to talk about in my supervision however big it seems to me when you go out and walk on the moor actually it puts it into a different context suddenly you see the majestic uh, sweep of the moor you see the glory of God's creation and my problem or my issue which might seem big to me somehow is put in a different size it seems swamped and overscaled by the enormity and the beauty of God's creation so rejoice, remember the glory and the wonder of God, who is greater and bigger than we imagine, who knows us as we are, who understands things just as they are, and who will continue to love us and be with us. Uh, I was reading the, the Jewish mourners Kaddish, the general and uh, traditional prayer for Jewish people in their time of loss and of grieving. Um, I read it because actually I thought this is, this is a timely thing, time to read this in the context of all that's going on in our world this week. And what I noticed about it was, although it was a mourner's prayer, it didn't mention death. Instead, it talked of praise. Praise of God who has created us and who has redeemed us and made us his own and who calls us and chooses us. That prayer will have been prayed an awful lot this last week by countless number of people. And hopefully it will have given them some comfort and some strength in their time of anguish and uncertainty. But again, it's a prayer about continuing to rejoice, whatever the circumstances, remembering who God is. One of the commentators I was reading on this verse uh, this week said this, You can't wait for joy to fall into your lap. You need to continue to practice giving thanks and rejoicing and then you will experience something of that joy remembering who God is Paul follows up that voice verse about rejoice in the Lord always by adding 
the Lord is always near. Do not be anxious, but, says Paul in the same verse, do not be anxious about anything, but he goes on, but pray. But pray. Part of the process of the chaplaincy at South Dartmoor Community College is to give young people an opportunity for half an hour at a time to be listened to, to express whatever they want to express, to talk through issues that are, they are facing. Um, and just having that opportunity to be listened to, to talk it through, makes a huge difference, I think. Certainly they appreciate their time with us. Often I tell the young people that come to us, um, I wish I had a magic wand to wave away whatever is troubling you. But I can't do that. You and I know that's not how it works. But perhaps just talking it through and having this time together will help. Often in my experience, God doesn't take away the circumstances of our lives, but helps us to live through them. But if talking to a chaplain is helpful, how much more true is it that we have the privilege of going to God in prayer? He who relates to us and is always willing to hear what we have to say, who will strengthen us and guide us and love us. Notice that Paul says um, in this verse, uh, notice in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. In everything, in good times and in times of trouble, be open and honest to God in prayer. Lay it out before him. Don't brush it under the carpet, but let him know. Express it in your prayer. And then also with thanksgiving. So, as some of the commentators said, okay, be open, don't brush your anxiety under the, par under the carpet when you come to God, but also don't obsess about it. Remember to be thankful. So, as well as um, rejoicing, there is prayerfulness. Remember who God is, but also turn to him in prayer. And then it goes on. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, that phrase that we know probably so well, the peace of God that passes all understanding will stand guard over your life. And I like that phrase. It's kind of a military term, stand guard over. And it would have resonated with Paul as he said it, because being in prison, there would be a guard standing over him, watching over him. And Paul says, actually, the peace of God will stand guard over you. Sometimes we don't experience that peace particularly strongly, but on other times, in my experience, there are moments when that peace comes into our lives and our hearts and gives us a reassurance. I remember the first time um, I was due to preach a sermon. It was at uh, Leicester University. We had a group of Methodist students here. We were Methsoc. And every so often we were given a service on the plan. And uh, we organised it together. And we took turns to, to do different bits of the services. I must remember the first time I was to speak in public in a service, I was terrified the night before. Um, and I prayed about it and I prayed about it. And suddenly in my room, as I prayed about what was going to happen to the following day, there was this sense of peace that just filled me. 
and I knew that it would be all right. Or even if it wasn't all right, um, that God would be with me and uh, I would get through whatever I said. I don't remember anything that I did say the following day, but I remember the sense of peace. So there is that sense of needing to rejoice, to set our anxiety, our troubles, whatever we are facing in the bigger context of God's greatness and God's love and God's beauty. There's that sense of, well, whatever we are going through, offer it to God in prayer, lay it before him. And then we will know that we've set it in a different context, a context of God's presence and God's care. Then Paul goes on again. Finally, he says, whatever is true and noble and pure and lovely, all those sort of things, think upon these things. And then the good things that you have seen in me, my good example, put into practice. At Ashburton, we have a growing space. We also have a project in Bobby Tracy, which is a growing space. But I want to talk about the Ashburton one just for a moment or two. Um, We have taken over um, land that was overgrown at the back of the Royal British Legion hut. And uh, we pay them just a a peppercorn bit for doing it, really. Um, And we have transformed that into a growing space where we grow vegetables. Hopefully next year we'll grow some flowers. And we have a, a, a little place there for quiet and reflection. And the fruit and the veg that we grow in the growing space, we tend to put in the the community fridge. Um, And that's really been of value to the town and has put us in a different place, I think, with the town council and the British Legion and the people who operate the food bank and all the the community fridge and all those sort of people. Um, So it's been a really good thing to do. And it so happened that on Thursday, it got a mention in the online uh, version of The Guardian. And there was an article about different groups around the country who had taken over derelict and overgrown bits of land to to plant stuff, flowers, wildflowers, all that sort of things, and and foodstuffs and all that sort of stuff. Um, And somehow uh, we got to hear about it and we put in um, an article for ourselves about it. And a couple of uh, sentences, three or four sentences, got included in the online uh, Guardian for this Thursday, a national newspaper. Uh, unfortunately they didn't mention that it was a Methodist project but nevertheless we were there um, and named and Sarah who oversees a part of that project she was uh, quoted and cited in the in the newsletter Um, it didn't of course hit the printed version of the Guardian which was full of the news of the Middle East of Ukraine of the Labour Party conference um, and often quite difficult bits of news to read of course particularly the headlines at the moment and so often we get overwhelmed and we see and we read so much of the difficult bits the desperate bits the 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 stuff that brings us down and yet hidden away in the online version was this bit of news that was quite uplifting And Paul says, in the midst of the world in which we live, with all the difficulties and all the struggles, notice and remember and look out for and read and focus on those things which are true and pure and lovely and noble. Focus and build your lives on them rather than on the downside and the bits which would so easily overwhelm us build your life on those things 
And then finally he says, well, whatever good you have seen in me as an example, well, follow that. Build your life upon the good things that you see in those who are your role models in faith, I guess. Put it into practice. Go on doing good. Not only think about the true and the noble um, and the pure things, and put those as far as you can at the forefront of your mind. Live those things out in your day-to-day -day life. Because actually, doing that helps turn our self-centered anxiety, the things that we worry about, into something that is practical and good and outward focusing for the life of God's kingdom and God's world and God's people. So I think this verse about being anxious is a verse for our times because we are very often an anxious people living in an anxious century. But, says St Paul, but says our Christian hope and our Christian faith, that is not the full story. Do not allow yourself to be obsessed and drawn down by anxiety. Look to God. Remember to rejoice in who he is, the God who loves us so much that he came and lived amongst us in Jesus Christ our Lord, who is present with his world by his spirit, who suffers with the world, and who does not give up on us. Continue to offer yourself to God in prayer. Continue to focus on the things that are kingdom-centred, the kingdom values, and build your life on those things. Then we might know more of the peace of God that passes all understanding. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you.
adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved. <laughs> 